In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. There is a general sense of anxiety that comes upon a congregation whenever the subject matter begins to revolve around money. It is usually viewed as the church telling everyone that they should give up all of their wealth and become poor to demonstrate how much they love God. Or, as you find on the late night or early morning church services with televangelists, who sometimes preach a prosperity gospel, that God loves you by giving you blessings, and most of the time those blessings are seen as wealth. And we hear stories from the gospels like today's passage about the widow's might and wonder what our role in the story is. And of course, what a passage to hear from Jesus on the Sunday that we begin our stewardship season that might cause you to question if you are truly giving enough. Well, first let me assure all of you that I am not going to preach to you about giving up all of your possessions, all of your wealth, all of your income to prove your devotion to Christ. Yes, there are people who are called to that life. We can think about monks and nuns, even hermits and anchoresses. The majority of Christians are not called to such an asceticism. But neither are Christians called to not be giving. Instead, Christians are indeed called to enter into a world of self-sacrifice, a world where they put the needs of others ahead of their own. One of the overarching concepts that we need to come to grips with first, though, is that when we talk in the Christian context about wealth, charity, income, tithing, almsgiving, investing, and all the rest, we are speaking in a rather specific way about what is required by Christians, both individually and what is required of Christians as part of a corporate body, what we know as the church. This is not about a government policy. This isn't about income redistribution. Rather, this is about your individual practice of stewardship and why it is important. Stewardship, like prayer, the sacraments, studying the scriptures, and being Christ for the world out there is part of our practice and our spiritual discipline. Being stewards of God's creation is inherent in our call. And being stewards of creation is not just for Christians, but is a call for all men and women, and even children as people made in the image of Creator God. Which brings us to the scribes and the widow, who Jesus sees while sitting outside the temple in Jerusalem. Jesus is in Jerusalem for the Passover, and we are mere days away from his betrayal and crucifixion. As pilgrims came to the city, part of their responsibility was to give their tithes and their offerings. In the temple precincts was a set of alms basins, 
that were designated for different items. <clears throat> your tithe, <clears throat> your temple tax, your almsgiving, and so on. Each of these basins had a trumpet-like opening, much like you maybe used to see at some toll booths. When someone began to deposit coins, the trumpet-like opening would rattle and clink, and everyone could hear the amount of money being put into the coffers. So, the rich, the wealthy, the scribes, and others would sometimes find the busiest time of day and wait there until a large crowd had assembled and then began to deposit their coin. You can imagine the rich looking around, wanting to see the reaction of everyone as their coins made a large and resounding sound throughout the temple. You can also imagine all the people looking around to see who was giving such a large sum and who was now among the wealthy and the elite. And in the middle of this, here comes a poor, probably old widow. I have always pictured her as having a stoop in her back and walking with a cane, perhaps with some sort of handkerchief tied on her head. She's old, haggard, bent over, but she has a smile on her face, a smile of satisfaction because even though these were her last coins, all she has to live on, she is a cheerful giver and trusts that God will provide. But is that really what we're supposed to gather from this passage? Let us reread this passage and put the two pieces together rather than having two separate scenes. Jesus has warned us to beware of the scribes, lawyers in essence, who devour widows' estates, desire the best seats at the table, and make long prayers in public so men may hear them. These scribes were well-versed in the Torah, in the legal codes of the region, and perhaps even the legal codes of the surrounding regions. As lawyers, they sometimes were appointed as something similar to a trustee of, a, of an estate. And when Jesus speaks of them devouring these estates, he's saying that rather than looking after those in their care and charge, these scribes would use the assets for their own wealth, their own gain. And rather than using the law as a tool, perhaps to aid the poor, the widowed, and the orphaned, Many times they would find loopholes, the legal trickery to bend the law to their own will and purpose. And that leads us into the reading of the temple coffers and the widow. Could it be that this widow had been the wife of a respectable man in the region and the scribes had left her destitute? Could it really be that Jesus is talking about balancing the temple budget 
which would include a number of scribes, priests, and other staff, on the backs of the poor and the widowed and the orphaned. And is this widow truly a cheerful giver, or is she simply fulfilling her duty, even though others, perhaps even many others, do not? So if we are to look at this through the eyes of the discipline of stewardship, what do we see? What do we hear the Spirit telling us? First, we need to come to the realization that at some level, we are stewards of everything. Everything we have. Everything that we are involved in. And everything that involves us. We are stewards of money and wealth. But we are also stewards of our time and what we do with it. Our relationships and whom we show or withhold our love. We are stewards of the earth and nature. We are stewards of the gifts and talents we possess. We are stewards even of the ethnic or moral codes that we hold dear and protect. Now, with all of that in mind, what can we glean from the scribes and the wealthy and the widow? It's not a simple answer like everyone must do their part or everyone must pay their fair share. If that is the case, then the widow has done more than anyone. And while her coins hitting the coffers might not rattle as much as the wealthy, her amount in proportion to everyone else's is much more by far. And from what we know, it may not even be about being a cheerful giver versus someone who gives it for show. So then what? Each group of persons here are indeed doing their duty, paying their tax, giving their alms, contributing to the needs of the community. Each is, in fact, being a steward in a sense. But the real question is this, are we giving as we should, as we ought? Or are we giving all that we can afford? Or are we even giving at all? The tithe, as I have explained before, is a specific amount of income that you render back to God in thanks to him for the blessings of this life. It is 10% of your income, not your net worth, not the sum of your assets, but 10% of your income. The tradition of this tribute comes to us all the way from Genesis when Abraham gave one-tenth of the spoils of war to the high priest Melchizedek, who gave a blessing to Abraham over bread and wine. An almsgiving, 
The money that we give to the poor and the needy is what we give over and above that tithe. Times have changed. There are many things that the church, as the local organization, has to worry about that 150 or 200 years ago was not the case. Electricity bills, internet service, water, telephone, air conditioning, insurance, and the list could go on and on. And in years gone by, much of the money that the Episcopal Church and the Anglican churches in England collected as tithes was for the administration of the church and for the pastoral obligations of the priests to the congregation in their charge. And what they received beyond the tithe, the alms, was, was directly then given to the poor and needy. It was these alms that began to give rise to some of the national and international organizations that directly helped the poor and missionaries in distant lands and sometimes even parishioners in the midst of the congregation who can't survive without the assistance of the church. That makes me wonder about the widow. Was the temple now going to take care of her? So you might be asking yourself, okay, well, the widow gave all she had while the rich gave large amounts to the praise of the community around them. What am I to do? As we begin this abbreviated stewardship season, I invite you into prayer about this parish. There is much that we do sometimes behind the scenes, to render aid to those in this community and this county. Yes, there is our food pantry, but there are also the people who need assistance with their rent, gas money to make it to work, even help with medical bills and prescriptions, and they turn up here from time to time looking for aid because they have nowhere else to go. And there is much that this parish offers to her members. Christian formation opportunities, a building that is in relatively good shape to meet in, a parish hall that is available for all of our usage. But we also have rooms that months go by and no one walks into them. What can we imagine happening there? We have a church building that is locked up for most of the week. How can we invite people to come here during the day? We have a block of land that is virtually unused. What can we offer back to this neighborhood for the families that live just around us? and are close at hand. The only way we arrive at these answers is through praying, both individually and corporately, and discerning what 
God would have us do. And once we know what God's will is, then to take a step in faith and rise to meet that will. And if stewardship is truly about all that we have, all that we care for, then what can this parish be doing to be stewards of this place, this tool of ministry that we have? Yes, we need things to carry on that ministry, and our junior warden would be happy to speak with you about those needs. But we also can meet the small, life-changing individual needs and the proverbial widow's might of a few dollars in change sometimes is all that is required. As you pray and discern what the Lord is asking you to give, know that both your vestry and me, as we begin to work on this year's budget, are praying and seeking discernment as well. Come January, it is my desire to have a working plan about what we can do here in this place. But more importantly, what we can do outside of this building and in the community at large. And it's not all about money. That's the beauty of it. In many ways for us, I believe that God is leading us to be a church of service to those around us. And service itself is indeed another form of stewardship. So, during these next three weeks, be intentional with your prayers about what this parish means to you and to Portland. If you have ideas... Come see me or the wardens. If the Lord is laying something on your heart, that might be the very sign which we are looking for. But know that it takes all of us, every member of this parish, from the rich to the poor, young and old, married and single, to fulfill God's will for us. It is only when all of us work together that we as a parish can practice true stewardships and render our thanks back to God Almighty for the blessings he has given us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.